Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mississippi edition comes from the Mississippi Museum of Arts presentation of When Modern Was Contemporary. Selections from the Roy R. Newberger Collection. From Georgia O'Keeffe to Jackson Pollock. Details at msmuseumart.org. Good morning. It's 8.30. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, Mississippi's giant house party continues in Neshoba County. We'll hear from two possible gubernatorial candidates. They made a $56 million mistake, so they made they really have a $130 million budget hole that we know of. You know, there was a cover-up effort trying to make these you know, arguments on these different social bills and things like that to distract people from the actual budget itself. Then an audio postcard from day three of the Democratic National Convention in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Later, the state's annual sales tax holiday is this weekend. What can it do for you? And the life and legend of Bobby Kennedy in her book club. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Two likely candidates to be Mississippi's next governor are using the Neshoba County Fair to test the waters and trade barbs. The next gubernatorial election isn't for three years, but you'd never know it listening to Attorney General Jim Hood and Lieutenant Governor Tate Reeves. It's been heavily speculated over the past several months that both are eyeing a run for the state's top office in 2019. Hood, the only Democrat elected to statewide office, tells MPB's Paul Bogard the state's economy is suffering due to a budget drafted by Republicans. Republicans. Normally I'm up there talking about law enforcement issues and protecting children and, and domestic violence and uh, human trafficking and all those issues that AGs do. But unfortunately, the last few years, the legislature has passed all these bills that are, you know, political bills. And our office has had to defend those bills. And what it's done is created, you know, a, a lot of litigation for us. And I've spoken out on, on several of those bills, uh, particularly on the budget. You know, they passed a budget bill that they didn't understand what they'd written. And then those agencies came to me, uh, asked me to interpret it. And our office gave the interpretation that, that we just read what they said. Some of them at the legislature didn't like it. But um, that's put me in a position of having to defend cases and, and uh, uh, talk about budgets that normally is not part of what the attorney general does. What about the budget? You know, we've, you and I have talked about it before, but the Republicans and the conservative leadership say they've crafted a budget that's fiscally responsible. Uh, what are your thoughts? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the, part of the, the, the opinion that we wrote interpreting the bill that they passed they made an exception for um, uh, trust funds. And what we did for those agencies to go out and determine that $79 million was accepted from what they in, the legislature anticipated going toward the budget. And so it didn't go. And, and, and uh, uh, they made a $56 million mistake, so they, made, they really have a $130 million budget hole that we know of. You know, there was a cover-up effort trying to, uh, you know, make these you know, arguments on these different social bills and things like that to distract people from the actual budget itself. But, you know, they've created this, this budget situation. And this same thing, you know, they, they cut taxes on large corporations by $116 million just last year, $117 million. That's a 16% tax break in just one year of these $350 million 
more tax breaks they've given. That's what created the budget hole. And the same thing has happened in Louisiana. They had pencil pushers, you know, making these same claims about tax cuts would bring all this economic development. Well, it hadn't. Look at Louisiana. They're $2 billion in the hole near bankruptcy. Same thing going on in Oklahoma, Kansas, the same thing. So we have examples of failure of this economic plan of, of cutting these, making these large corporate tax cuts. And so I don't want to see, you know, I just finished the National Solar Car Championship race in my little hometown of Houston. My son's on that team, won it. I don't want to see my son have to leave, but many of the kids I graduated with have had to leave these small towns because they don't have four-lane highways. They don't have, they don't have fully funded education. We don't have pre-K uh, funding. And so, you know, I don't like the path that we're on uh, with, with the present leadership. And I'm just going to speak out about it. I have that opportunity. And as Attorney General, they've drugged me into a lot of this litigation. And I'm going to tell people what I think is the truth. You know, listening to the Lieutenant Governor who's speaking right now, you know, he's taken some shots at you uh, in your office, uh, talking about how essentially you're, you're not doing your job defending uh, the state's uh, religious freedom bill, that you're not doing your job. Well, essentially, that your audition be Hillary Clinton's AG. Well, you know, uh, I, I did defend the religious liberties bill, and I have defended many of these social bills that they passed. Um, but I found I've been prosecuting 25 years, and criminals always try to say when, when they don't have any other defense, they blame the prosecutor or the law enforcement. They blame somebody else. You just watch it when somebody starts calling names and trying to distract you from answering the question. If they'll answer the question about the budget, you think you'll get uh, maybe closer to the truth. MPB's Paul Boger with Attorney General Jim Hood at the Neshoba County Fair. Reeves, a member of the Republican leadership, tells reporters at the fair Hood is working to keep big government. You know, the Neshoba County Fair is a, a great place and a, a great opportunity to come out and, and talk about some things. You know, over the last couple of months since the, uh, the legislative session, there's been a lot of uh, a lot of folks lining up to attack the legislature, and and um, and I would argue not telling the whole story uh, about what uh, what we're trying to accomplish to ensure that we have more transparency in the way in which tax dollars are being spent, to ensure uh, that we're not allowing for uh, spending on office furniture, spending on out-of-state travel, things such as that that taxpayers don't know about. And so we're going to continue to push for that, and today gave an opportunity to, to actually say that. I'm talking about agencies across across state government that are out buying new office furniture. There, there are tons of examples of them. And so we're going to continue to uh, push back on, on that and, um, and make sure that the taxpayers' money is being spent the same way we would spend our own money at home. And that's what the taxpayers ask us to do, and that's what they expect us to do. Because over the last five years, we've spent uh, significantly more money than we spent five years ago. We did it spend money on our, we spent money on our priorities. We spent money on things like um, public education. Uh, we're going to spend $400 million more on public education this year than was spent five years ago. Now, there are people in the public education community that thinks we ought to spend more. Um, there are people in every agency of state government that want to spend more on their projects. The fact of the matter is we're never going to have as much money as some people want. And that's just, that's just the way it is. I stood on that podium last year, just like I've done in the 13, uh, 12 years prior to last year, and told the people of the state what I was for. I'm for focusing on growing the size of our economy, not on focusing on growing the size of our government. Now, there are others who feel differently, and that's certainly their prerogative. Um, but this is what we're going to fight for in the Mississippi legislature. I think that if you look at states like Texas and Florida that have no uh, individual income tax, they certainly have seen significant job growth uh, over the last several years. And, and so I think it's something that we ought to uh, consider. Uh, you'll remember that the bill that I originally proposed last year that passed the Senate, much like the bill that I proposed this year that passed the Senate, uh, eliminated the 3% and the 4% individual income tax brackets. It did it in a responsible way over a long period of time. 
Um, and so uh, I'm not saying that I'm currently proposing to completely eliminate it, um, but I do think it makes more sense long term to have more user fees and user assessments and user taxes uh, than it does uh, taxing income. Uh, I said today, and I believe it, I believe that if you want more of something, you tax it less. And so that's one of the things that we're going to continue to fight for. And, and, um, and let me just say this. There are, there are a lot of uh, comments that have been made uh, over the last several months about this year's Taxpayer Pay Raise Act, and that's the reason that we are having the revenue challenges that have occurred, that we have not met revenue estimates. Well, nothing could be further from the truth. The Taxpayer Pay Raise Act that we passed this year does not even go into effect until calendar year 2018. So anyone who says that is either misinformed or intentionally misleading. Lieutenant Governor Tate Reeves at the Neshoba County Fair. Political speeches at the fair will conclude today with Secretary of State Delbert Hoseman, Speaker of the House Philip Gunn, and Governor Phil Bryant. Up next, an audio postcard from day three of the Democratic National Convention in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from Trustmark, featuring Trustmark Deposit Express, ATMs for business and personal banking. No deposit slips, no envelopes, no waiting. Most deposits made by 9 p.m. weekdays credited that day. Details at Trustmark.com, member FDIC. A six-year-old Afghan girl was caught in the crossfire between U.S. and Afghan soldiers and Taliban fighters. I remember her quite vividly there on that stretcher and how tiny she looked. Air Force surgeon Chance Henderson led the medical team that worked for months to save her shattered leg. Now she's about to go home. She's very near and dear to all of our hearts. It's going to be a tough day. The story later on All Things Considered from NPR News. Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Mississippi's delegates to the Democratic National Convention are in Philadelphia for different reasons. Correspondent Matt Laszlo is there and sent us this audio postcard of the Mississippi delegation. Carlos Moore, I'm a delegate, Clinton delegate from Grenada, Mississippi. And what's your day job? I'm an attorney. Attorney? Yes. This is your first time coming to a convention? My second time. My first time as a delegate, but my second time at a convention. Why? What makes you want to keep coming back? I'm a lifelong Democrat. I love politics, and it's just an exciting time. Now, Democrats are a minority in Mississippi. They are. So this is where I can come and feel at home. <laughs> Has it felt at home this week? Yes, it's a family reunion. Are you Bernie or Hillary? Hillary. Were you Hillary from day one? Why? Yes. I'm the father of a five-year-old daughter, and I went to the, um, Denver in 2008 and saw the historic nomination of Barack Obama. And I'm here for my daughter this time because I want to see the historic nomination of a female to become president of the greatest country in the world. Kathy Sykes, um, State Representative, District 70 in Jackson. President Obama is speaking. What do you, Republicans are trying to paint Hillary as his third term. Would you like him to get a third term? I wish uh, it was constitutionally possible, but it's not. And, um, you know, a lot of the policies that uh, our president uh, pushed for um, were very good policies. When he first got elected, he came up with the plan for a jobs program. Uh, he's going to put people to work by improving our infrastructure, which is crumbling. And he ran into a brick wall. Um, uh, the uh, Republicans, uh, majority, they were uh, totally against what he was trying to do. 
Curley Clark. I'm from Pascagoula, Mississippi. I'm a, a delegate here. This is my seventh consecutive convention. I'm also president of the Jackson County NAACP, second vice president of the Mississippi State Conference. And how do you turn out African-American voters? Because I know a lot aren't registered down there. How do you get them out? Is it highlighting some of the racial comments that Donald Trump has made? Well, you just have to make sure that they understand that uh, your vote is your voice, and that if they want to have a voice in this process, they're going to have to turn out and vote. And that's my mission. Uh, that's what I'm up here for, to make sure that African Americans realize the importance of this convention, and uh, this convention, and also, more so, the importance of the election. They have to understand that if we're going to complain, you know, about the process, the best way to do it is become a, a part of the process to change the process. You have to change the process from within. You can't change the process of sitting under, under the shade trees or sitting in the bars, in the barbershop, talking smack. you got to get out and vote. Commissioner Sugar Stolings Esquire um, I'm from the great hospitality state of Mississippi and I live on the Gulf Coast, Biloxi. Nice. Is this your first convention? This is my first convention on the, uh, 2008 and 2012. I was on the flip side. I was actually working for the campaign. Now, Mississippi is such a red state. Do you think Hillary has a chance? Hillary has a chance. The thing about being a red state is that you can turn it blue. And that's the great thing about, like, when they were doing in their roll calls. We were a red state and we turned ourselves blue. So that's the same kind of progressive message we're looking for to take Mississippi to that next level. So I'm excited. I'm excited to do it. I'm excited to put in the work. And I'm excited to put in the work for my children, but my children's children. That audio postcard of the Mississippi delegation in Philadelphia this week was sent by correspondent Matt Laszlo. Up next, the state's annual sales tax holiday is this weekend. What can it do for you? This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. 227 years ago, the first U.S. president took office. Next year, the 45th will. Follow history in the making right here on this station. Listen every day. Weekdays at 4 on MPB Think Radio. Your favorite MPB Think Radio shows are now available on your favorite podcast app. So open that app and subscribe to any local program you love, like Everyday Tech. Android does have the most delicious operating system, I find. Jelly, jelly beans. The Gestalt Gardener. What's up? What you got going on? And of course, MPB's Season Pass with myself, Sam Wells, and Jay White. That's my guys, man. So what are you waiting for? Go search and subscribe today. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi's sales tax holiday begins tonight at midnight. It continues for the next 48 hours, all day Friday, all day Saturday. The break from state sales tax is designed to help families stock up on needed items as the new school year approaches. Department of Revenue spokesperson Kathy Waterbury tells MPB's Evelina Burnett what items are sales tax-free this time of year. Clothing and shoes where the items cost less than $100. Um, It's not the total that you spend, but it's the cost per item has to be less than $100 for it to be uh, exempt. So things like backpacks or um, let's say sports gear, if if, uh, somebody's child's on a sports team, is that included? No, accessory items are not included. It's clothing is, is those things designed to be worn on the body like pants, shirts, blouses, dresses, coats, and those types of things. Accessory items like jewelry and purses, handbags, umbrellas, wallets, backpacks, as you mentioned, are not clothing. Those are accessory items, and they're not included in the holiday. 
Uh, what about things? I'm getting a little detail, but like um, hair bows or shoes. Shoes are shoes are exempt now. If they're sporting shoes that are for a specific purpose, like shoes with cleats on them, things that you cannot typically wear on the street, those are not exempt. But um, sports type shoes, uh, I call them tennis shoes or sneakers or those types of things that are commonly worn by people in everyday walk of life, those are exempt as long as the item is less than $100. Now, what if somebody is buying online uh, from a store that has a physical presence here? So they, you know, generally would pay sales tax. In general, do, are those exempt from sales tax? Do you know? They are. Online sales are also exempt. So for those companies that do collect our sales tax, they would not be charging you sales tax on those days. Do you find that that people are taking advantage of this sales tax holiday and going out shopping these two days? I know, I don't know if you can, the Department of Revenue can really tell since no sales tax is coming in, but maybe sales tax on other items rises, anything like that? Well, no, we really can't tell. Exempt items are not reported to us. So we do not have a, a mechanism to determine how much is actually being sold. And of course, you know, with sales being down on clothing and shoes, you couldn't really tell if anything else was up because they don't report to us by line item. They don't report to us, you know, everything else that they may sell in their store. They just report one figure. MPB's Evelina Burnett with Department of Revenue spokesperson Kathy Waterbury. Up next, the life and legend of Bobby Kennedy in our book club. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. 227 years ago, the first U.S. president took office. Next year, the 45th will. Follow history in the making right here on this station. Listen every day. Weekdays at 4 on MPB Think Radio. On Creature Comforts, we talk about Mississippi's abundant wildlife with Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and a special guest each week. Also, Dr. Troy Major is on hand to answer questions about your pets. I'm Kevin Farrell. Join us Thursday mornings at 9 with a repeat broadcast Saturday mornings at 6 for Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Robert Francis Kennedy had many identities during his short life, aide to Senator Joe McCarthy, attorney general to his brother, the president, United States senator, presidential candidate, assassinated public figure. He also was a stalwart of the political left who championed the poor in Mississippi, in Appalachia, and across America. In his new book, Bobby Kennedy, The Making of a Liberal Icon, Larry Ty takes the reader on a journey from Kennedy's childhood to his death in the Ambassador Hotel in June of 1968. Ty tells us Kennedy's large public life had a small private beginning. It was Joe Kennedy who basically declared at an early age that Bobby Kennedy was the runt of his litter, which meant that he was the smallest child and that he was the one least likely to make a difference. Definitely for his youth, and I think for much of the rest of his life, Bobby was out to show that his father was wrong. By the time Bobby was an adult, Joe Kennedy realized that Bobby was most like him and most likely of his kids to make a difference. Can you take us through Bobby Kennedy's political career starting at the beginning? 
So he started as a cold warrior working for the ultimate demagogue and cold warrior in American politics, who was Senator Joe McCarthy of Wisconsin. And Bobby Kennedy went to work for him, partly because his dad told him he ought to, and partly because Bobby Kennedy started out as a real conservative. He thought that the communists, in fact, were not just a threat in the Soviet Union, but they were a threat in infiltrating the State Department, and he thought that Joe McCarthy was the only one in America in those years of the Red Scare that was taking it seriously. So he started out on the far right of the American political spectrum. He ended up on the far left, and in between, he went through a transformation that's interesting not just because of him, but because it's a lens into how America was changing from the era of Eisenhower through the tumultuous 1960s. He visited Mississippi. That was in 1967. So it seems he was a hands-on kind of representative to the American people. He was. If they had taken a vote in the 1960s of the least popular person in the state of Mississippi, it might have been Bobby Kennedy. He was the one who handled, who responded to the riots at Ole Miss when there was a, an attempt to integrate Ole Miss. He did it ham-handedly enough. He brought in troops, but he brought them in very late, and lots of people were hurt. And that was part of his learning curve on civil rights. And unfortunately for Mississippi, you were at the beginning of his learning curve. You were also part of his learning curve on poverty and hunger in America. And he visited with a bunch of senators. They held a hearing in Jackson, Mississippi, trying to explore the issue of hunger in America. And he was one of just two senators who hung around after the hearing and said, I don't want to just hear about this. I want to see it. He went with civil rights lawyers into the Mississippi Delta. He went into the shack of a very poor black family. He got down in his business suit on the floor with a toddler who had a distended stomach, a bloated stomach that indicated malnutrition, and he spent 15 minutes trying to make some contact with this toddler. Flies were swarming around the room. There was a clothesline in the living room, and he was having no luck. And by the end of the 15 minutes, there were tears in Bobby Kennedy's eye. He had the sense that he had to do something. He flew back to Washington, got the government to change its rules on food stamps so that very poor people like the ones he had met in Mississippi who had no income could afford to buy food stamps, and he helped make an important change in federal anti-poverty programs that meant that there were fewer starving children like the one he had met in Mississippi that politicians can watch what they're seeing and truly alter what they're doing. Had he not died when he did, had he been elected president of the United States, how do you think his presidency would have compared to his brother? It would have been a whole lot more interesting. His brother was an impressive guy, a very smart guy, but amazingly cautious. He wanted to move slowly with everything. Bobby Kennedy had no patience. He was more passionate than his brother. He was more provocative than his brother. He made more enemies than his brother. And I think he would have gotten things done to the point where, and this may be dreaming on my part, that 50 years later, we wouldn't be dealing with the identical tensions in American society from issues of race to issues of poverty and class. And I think he was determined to do things that the guy who ended up being elected that year, Richard Nixon, would never have dreamed of doing. He was somebody who would have shaken things up in America, and I think we needed shaking up back then. There are enough conspiracy theorists out there who might suggest that it wasn't just Sirhan Sirhan that killed Bobby Kennedy. Do you have any thoughts on that? 
I have thoughts that it wouldn't hurt to reopen that investigation. I have no evidence that there was a conspiracy. On the other hand, there are so many questions from his assassination, the same way there were from his brothers, that I think it would be interesting to reopen it. The problem is, 50 years later, most anybody who could tell us the true story is dead. Larry Ty is the author of Bobby Kennedy, The Making of a Liberal Icon. Thank you very much for being with us. Thanks for having me on. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for local Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9, it's Creature Comforts. Then at 10, MPB Season Pass. And at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedy. If you missed part of the show, you can listen to episodes of Mississippi Edition on our website, mpbonline.org or download our free MPB multimedia app and listen to the show whenever you like. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition, only on MPB Think Radio. Support for Mississippi Edition comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art's presentation of When Modern Was Contemporary, selections from the Roy R. Neuberger Collection, from Georgia O'Keeffe to Jackson Pollock. Details at msmuseumart.org. It's Marketplace Tech for Thursday the 28th. I'm Ben Johnson in New York. One of the big challenges of treating serious diseases affecting the brain is studying the insides of the